Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 1 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We'll be discussing a displeasing victory over Sheffield United in the FA Cup, transfers and more with myself, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Hello, yes, this is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod POD. Jack, how are you after we supposedly dominated League One Sheffield United, a huge victory? As I said in the intro, it was displeasing, and I did feel guilty sort of celebrating. It was a real shock, actually, for me. I thought, you know, after better performances against Swansea and Chelsea, you know, not, not amazing by any means, but probably the best we've seen in a few months. I really thought, you know, against League One opposition, FA Cup, we really build on it and try and play how the fans want us to play. And it was so many steps backwards. It was unbelievable. For the, I mean, I honestly, at one point in the first half, I just got up and left the room for about 10 minutes because I was so bored watching the game. We just went backwards, sideways, backwards, sideways, sideways again. And we just had nothing all game. There was no creativity anywhere. We didn't look like like forcing a chance at all. I think what was it? it took us till the seventy odd odd minutes to have a shot on target, and that was through our right back. I mean, it was just dire for most of the game. And like you said, it was it was all, all actually terrible the way we ended up winning the game. Obviously, I'm pleased that we won and we we through to the next round. But celebrating that Rooney penalty, I almost felt bad. It was embarrassing for a lot of the game. Yeah, Marwan Fellaini, Cameron Borthwick Jackson and Matteo Darmian came in and as you say, Darmian's got a first shot on target around the 70th minute mark and that was basically a deflection off his knee. An interesting thing was Fellaini came in and played at defensive midfield alongside Schweinsteiger. At the end of last season, we sort of drifted away from this two defensive midfielders, which has really 
struck a nerve with the United fans this season because we're playing two defensive midfielders against Sheffield United who are, are a respectable side but are League One and there's no denying that we are a much higher quality to them and if we went out all attacking you'd think that even if we only scored one you'd think we'd still dominate. Yeah and I, I think for, I think for me the the thing that sort of irks me is I don't have a problem with the four-two-three-one formation. It is it is a really effective formation. It's why sort of most teams now in world football are using it. But the problem for me is the people that we have in those two sort of holding midfield spots. I mean, the I think the way the way to to make a success of that formation, especially against sort of lower teams, and it's Sheffield United would have been a perfect opportunity is that you have one holding midfielder because you are obviously going to get counter-attacked at some point. But then the second midfielder needs to be a proper box-to-box player, not another not another player who likes to sit. The, the example I use, I think the team probably who do it the best at the moment in the Premier League was two, are Manchester City and Arsenal. You know, if you look at Arsenal, their first eleven got Coquelin, who is the sitting holding midfielder, and then usually either Ramsey or Cazorla next to him. And they're not midfielders that just like to sit back all the time, especially in the case of Ramsey. They are proper box-to-box midfielders. And it's what I think that against teams like Sheffield United, and especially at home against sort of lower Premier League sides, we should be playing Herrera in that too at the base of the midfield. Because, OK, he might not be as good defensively as someone like Michael Carrick if he played alongside Schneiderlin. But at least Herrera gives us a little bit more going forward, you know, and he he's willing to make runs beyond not only the attacking midfielder but the striker as well. And I think the thing that the thing that annoyed me about the lineup on on um, on Saturday against Sheffield United wasn't the fact that Fellaini played. What annoyed me was the fact that we played him and Herrera in the same team and played Fellaini deeper than we played Herrera, which to me just seemed absurd. Why are we then playing him deep when we have Herrera, who is much more suited to playing in at the base of the midfield? I just didn't understand it. Yeah, it's a strange one because, as you say, Herrera may not be as defensively solid. But after five minutes, you could quite quickly have seen that Sheffield United wanted to sit back and let us pass the ball around in front of them ineffectively. After five minutes, Van Gaal didn't think, hold on, we've got Herrera and Fellaini on the pitch. Why don't we just switch them around? Why don't we just switch the the style of play we're doing in this 4-2-3-1 formation and why don't we go and attack these people and why don't we try and get through their quite solid defensive line and then moving on to Herrera himself Fellaini has damaged us somewhat by playing it's hard to say if that's him or if it's just coincidence so there is that but with Herrera, Mata and Schweinsteiger they were quite unimpressive against Sheffield United. What do you think about that, how Fellaini and Rooney are getting stick, but Mata, Herrera, Schweinsteiger, because we see them as sort of nice people with Mata delivering Christmas presents, becoming Father Christmas, and his blog, his hugs, they're avoiding this stick because they're nice people, whereas Fellaini and Rooney, who, as we well know, have not always endeared to the United crowd, are getting stick sometimes unfairly. Yeah, I've been quite vocal about this on Twitter, especially in the case of Matter. Anyone who who has followed me for a while will know that I'm not I'm not Matter's biggest fan. I never have been, and I think he has escaped a lot of criticism this season. The thing that frustrates me about Matter is that I know how good he can be. You know, we go back to that period, sort of around March, April time, uh, he, the way he ran completely ran the game against Liverpool and that spectacular volley he scored to win us the game at Anfield. But then he's 
for long spells in a lot of games, he is just really, really ineffective. And I think him and Schweinsteiger especially, they make sort of the, in quotation marks, boring football um, claim sort of come to life even more because they're both very, they're both players that don't mind sort of slowing the game down and just keeping the ball, having possession, knocking it around and thinking that soon an opening will come, which is fine. But there comes a point where you need to just grab the ball by the horns and think, right, this isn't working. We need quicker football. And in the case of, of Fellaini and Rooney, I do think they've been scapegoated somewhat. Um, I think it's all too easy a lot of the time in a team lacking goals to, to think, well, that's it. The attackers are terrible. Um, and I think, you know, Ro- Rooney has come in for criticism this season and a lot of it has been fair. Let's be honest. He's not been brilliant, but I don't think he's been, he, he has been one of our worst players and he may be our worst. But I don't think he's been considerably worse than anyone else. And there are some, and Herrera as well, to be fair, you know, although I, I like Herrera, um, I think he can do a good job in our midfield if he was played a little bit deeper. He, he hasn't been great either, especially recently when he has been starting a few more games, you know, he's been giving the ball away quite cheaply a lot. Um, and he hasn't really added, added much. So I, I think Fellaini and Rooney definitely have been scapegoated quite a lot. Um, and some of the criticism needs to be shared around a little bit more because you know, the team, at the end of the day, the team is 11 players, not just one or two. And if the team isn't working, it's not all down to one player. You know, if it was simply a case of, oh, only Rooney is playing badly, I'm sure we would have a lot more goals and have a lot more wins and be a lot higher in the table than we currently are. I was watching and I was thinking, and I, I was looking at Twitter at the time, and Mata was getting criticised, but Herrera was not. And there seems to be this sort of shield against those two as a pair where they cannot be criticised and Schweinsteiger as well because we all see them as this Deutsche Fußballmeister and it, while, while they are all three of them are brilliant players and Herrera especially I, I really like because he's come and proved Van Gaal wrong on a lot of occasions and I think he'd be played more but as you say him, Mata and Schweinsteiger escaping criticism a lot and then Mata and Herrera were taken off at the 60-minute mark and uh, Memphis and Lingard came on. And it's strange because I think this is where it turns into away from a Mata and Herrera criticism and possibly a criticism of Van Gaal, which I rarely do. And Memphis and Lingard came on and Memphis was good at getting down the wing. Sometimes he got inside, but I thought he was a little slow at times. So he'd cut inside and then he sort of wait on the ball. And then defender comes rushing up, he chips it sort of away just so the defender doesn't get it and we lose the ball and Sheffield United go and counter-attack obviously yeah. to no avail but it did happen is this something that you think Van Gaal is doing or is it just these type of players that we have I think I think that's something Memphis has, I think has struggled with in general in England so far I think is the lack of time on the ball I think you know, I'm not I'm not going to claim I'm an expert on the Eredivisie I don't watch it week in week out but from what I have seen of it it, it seems like, sort of, it, it, in Memphis's case, if he got past the player, he then had, he, had, he then had a second or two to sort of make up his mind and think, okay, I have this option, this option, this option. Which one do I want to take? Without sort of having huge, huge pressure on the ball. Whereas in England, you just don't get that time. You know, so say in the case of Sheffield United, especially when a team is playing sort of that style, uh, which and no, no disrespect to Sheffield United, you know, they they came with a game plan, they executed it well. Uh, but Memphis, you know, he, like you said, he would cut inside, get past it, but then straight away there would either be sort of the covering centre mid or the covering centre back coming out and, and forcing him to make a decision in, in sort of a split second. And it seems like 
he can't quite get his head around that yet. Um, I mean, the, the one good thing about Memphis when he came on, he looked a bit more direct. And, uh, although the one thing that worries me from what I've seen so far is that I worry that Memphis is going to end up just consigned to a role on the bench because unfortunately that's where his most effective performance is, at least in domestic competitions have come. Yeah, um, as much as I disagree with Mark Lawrence on, on almost everything that comes out of his mouth, um, he did say on match of the day after that Sheffield United game that Memphis could end up being a bench player. Yeah. And when, when he and Martial came to the club, I'd heard lots about Martial. Once he came, hadn't heard much before. Everyone knew of Memphis, yeah. this star at the World Cup. Hadn't had that big, it wasn't like Wayne Rooney at the Euros in terms of four, but Everyone saw him and thought, we've got an arrogant winger here. Dutch, with Van Gaal, hold on, something special is going to happen here. And it hasn't happened yet, And but I do see signs in Memphis that he's a fantastic player. And talking to people who do watch Dutch football, they also say the same thing. But as you say, from the bench, he's been quite effective. However, I do think that we need to start him. Otherwise, we're, we're going to face an issue where we have a... 24-year-old in three years down the line who can come off the bench, make an impact, but can't start and make an impact. And then he's going to want to leave. But he might be incredibly talented, but he won't be able to start and make an impact. And that's an issue because we would have spent 22.5 million, I think it was, on this uh, wonder kid who we haven't been able to transform into this player who he's meant to be and who ends up leaving, going to, I don't know, a slightly lower down Premier League club or abroad uh, to Germany or Spain. Yeah, I, no, I, I totally agree. And the, prob- the problem is, it's, you know, we, we as fans and sort of Van Gaal as well, talked a lot about, you know, oh, Memphis needs to adapt to the league, we need to give him time, and that is all true. But the problem comes when the Premier League now is such a results-based business, especially for us now, after not having an amazing first half of the season, you know, we need results. We need to ensure that we are in the top four next season. But at the same time, we have to, I think, like you said, keep starting Memphis because that is the only way he is going to learn and be able to adapt to this league. So that in three, four years' time, we have a 24, 25-year-old that is bossing the Premier League instead of someone resigned to a role on the bench who wants out. On to the penalty. Obviously, Memphis got past a few people, then gets into the box some initial reaction said it was a dive. Replays showed quite uh, obviously it wasn't. Clearly, see that he was trying. He was trying to buy it. And I must say, I I do think that if there happened to not have been any contact from the way Memphis jumped up in the air, I have a feeling that reaction would have been exactly the same. If you if you see where I'm coming from there. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. I I can see maybe that he you know obviously he was trying to get a last minute penalty to win us the game. And in the end, he did, and it was a penalty, but the reaction was a little bit over the top. But <laughs> it's now uh, 10 consecutive games at Old Trafford without a goal before half-time, which is utterly shocking. And things against Sheffield United didn't change. Swansea City was a slight improvement. First half was good. Um, second half was mainly good, but a 15-minute period as we said on our brief introduction podcast. The story going around last week was that Ryan Giggs has been given more responsibility in training and has introduced some methods that he learnt under Sir Alex Ferguson and when being a player coach with David Moyes. What are your thoughts on this? And obviously things haven't changed yet, but do you think 
you think this this will cause a change? I, I can only hope so, Harry. Um, <laughs> I think I, I I do think he could, yeah, because you know Giggs has obviously been brought up, sort of spent his entire footballing career under the tutelage of Sir Alex, and obviously making that transition from a player to a coach is a big a big step, and it is a it is a different experience trying to instill it into players rather than trying to digest it as a player. But I think, you know, he has the experience, he has the know-how. And, you know, I think going back to Memphis very briefly, he Memphis himself, I think, commented a few weeks ago that, um, you know, Giggs was giving him sort of extra help to try and get him to fit into the league. And I think that could be an area where Giggs could really help. And I think, you know, I, I just hope that Giggs can sort of instill a bit more free-flowing, sort of confident late nature in the players and really let them express themselves when they get the ball. Now, the only one who seems sort of willing at the moment to get the ball and just think, you know what, this is me, I have the ball, I want to show people what I can do is Martial. Um, and hopefully, Gies can try and sort of instill that sort of idea, that sort of, sort of way of playing into into some of the others as well. Because if we can get sort of the stability that, admittedly, you know, despite all, his, all the critics he has, Van Hull has stabilised our team a lot. If we can keep that, but then get get us going a bit more attacking in an attacking sense, that could really help. And I think Giggs could possibly be the man to do that. And, you know, to me, it just signals that he may perhaps be the next Manchester United manager, although that is all speculation. Yeah, I, that's what I, I saw the story and I thought um, this is uh, quite an obvious thing to do if Woodward yeah. is looking to make a change in the summer, which I think, although I'm quite a stubborn Van Gaal fan. Um, I think that would be a good move to get him out in the summer because I think he has taken us as far as he can and he's yeah. now struggling. But I, I don't know if Giggs is the right person. Um, with There's obviously been talk of Guardiola, Mourinho, Pochettino now. But everyone's coming out. Van Gaal says no signings are likely in January. Atletico Madrid, Saul and Lazio's Felipe Anderson have been linked the main two linked, well, obviously, Gareth Bale is Manchester United's saviour and is coming for £90 million tomorrow. What do you think of this? No signings? January transfer window is always a risk. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it, I must admit, in terms of buying players in January. I think it's hard, especially coming from another league in January, you know, in the middle of a season. You've spent half a year playing one star, especially coming to United at the moment. I think, you know, Van Hull obviously has such a set way that he is getting the players to play. And it could be, it could take until the end of the season for this player to settle into that style, whether, you know, <laughs> whether we want them to settle into that style at all. But I mean, the problem is if you sign nobody, then nothing's going to change because I don't see Van Hull implementing a new style uh, I don't see any major changes in personnel in terms of the first choice team but then but then the other part, part of me is thinking will one two additions really make much of a difference at this stage I don't know and you know so it seems like he would meet be sort of a good a good signing you know he's a young player he's heard good things about him in Spain and with Carrick and Schweinsteiger we have two injury prone central midfielders and I mean, Felipe Anderson. I don't know about you, but it seems like it's becoming the new sort of Schneider stuff. The person, yeah, Nicholas Gaetan. It, it, Felipe Anderson's an odd one. Obviously, Saul I find quite difficult to believe because while he is talented, that strikes me as an odd January transfer. Obviously, the the January transfer window is a time for a club to to 
buy that player that will win them the league, get them top four, stop them being relegated, as Bournemouth are doing at the moment. Yeah, um, it's usually a window for people that are going to come in and change things straight away, you know? Go yeah, and that's that's, that's why Saul strikes me as a an odd signing for us to make at this time. And the reports from Coppe did say that we'd be willing to wait till the summer, and that seems a much more sensible option, yeah. given that if he does arrive in January, um, the pressure will be on to play him. When he does play, the pressure will be on because he's cost whatever it is, 20 million, 15 million. And then Felipe Anderson is a, a quite... I, I find that ridiculous. People people on Twitter are saying that he's a very good player, but the the huge but is that he's incredibly inconsistent. And I, I was looking online the other day at Felipe Anderson, and I was looking at Lazio's matches, and he's coming off the bench, and that just seems, for I think it's £27 million or around that, to buy a player for £27 million, £30 million, Who's coming off the bench for Lazio yeah. as our as our saviour for the season? That that strikes me as incredibly bad business. Felipe Anderson and Saul may not be at Old Trafford this season. Adnan Yanazai is his Borussia Dortmund loan has been cancelled, much to many fans' happiness. But Thomas Tuchel, Dortmund manager, has mm. criticised him. It was definitely a bad six months there. What do you think about him coming back? Um. Well, I, first of all, I think, I think it's a good thing that we have brought him back. Um, I thought the loan in the first place was pretty ridiculous, if I'm honest, because, you know, all right, all right, Dortmund struggled last season, but the one place in their team where they are strong is wingers. And we loan someone who we want to have first team football to that team. And it, it was just, it was ridiculous for me, especially after, you know, Yanazai, okay, he was probably never going to be first choice. In our, in our side, but he's just turned in a couple of pretty good performances, got the winner against Villa, um, and he seemed like he was in Van Hal's plans, even if he maybe wasn't a guaranteed starter every week. So the loan initially was strange to me. Um, so I'm happy he's been brought back, even if I don't feel that he will add huge amounts to our team right now, but you know, he is another option, and at the moment, the more attacking options we have, it can't be a bad thing. So I'm, I'm glad he's back. I'd be interested to see how much he actually gets played. Um, because it was strange because obviously last season, Van Gaal was very reluctant to use him. And then this season, at the very start of the season, obviously he played sort of two or three games in a row. And it seemed like Van Gaal was, was sort of willing to, to bring him into the first team and give him quite a few minutes. So it'd be interesting to see how he does when he comes back and how much he get, how much time on the pitch he has. Yeah, because in um, Van Gaal's first season, he made more than 10 appearances off the bench, but started less than 10 times. So he was used, but he was it was sort of in and out of the team, not getting many minutes, didn't perform yeah. hugely well. And then he goes to Dortmund, having played for us on a few occasions and scored, and gets the same amount of the same treatment. And Tuchel has said that it's a pity he did not show the desire and attitude he needs to progress at his age. And yeah. I find that quite in keeping with stories that have come out about Yanazai before. Do you think that will hold him back from succeeding at United? I think it could. I mean, obviously, this is this is just from what I've what I've gathered from from stories and quotes from people about Yanazai. Obviously, I have no insider information on at all. But from what I've seen about Yanazai, he seems like someone who isn't really willing to put in 
the hard work. You know, he burst onto the scene in David Moyes' ill-fated season, um, was probably the only highlight from that season, you know, with a couple of brilliant performances in mind instantly. Goes back to the, um, the stunning two goals he scored against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. And he seemed to have the world at his feet. He seemed to have all the talent in the world. All he needed was some minutes on the pitch and some hard work on the training ground. And we had a world beater on our hands. And it just has not happened at all. Um, you know, okay, so he wasn't not, he wasn't getting played last season. That might not be his fault. But then he came into the side and even when he did, he just did, didn't impress. Um, it seemed like his career had sort of stalled and there had been no improvement at all. And to me, yeah, it screamed out to me of someone who wasn't putting in the hard graft on the training ground so that he could get it out on match days. And it's quite in keeping with what, um, Tuchel said about him, you know, at, sort of 20, 21 years of age, you have to be willing to work hard because football, like I said earlier, is a results business. So as a young player, if you're not working hard, you're not on the training ground and showing improvement in your game, you're not going to get minutes. Yeah, it's a tricky one because we all know he definitely has a talent, but it's not been shown since that, that first season on the Moyes. Um, while Yanazai has come back, Marouane Fellaini could be on his way out, uh, whether that's on a loan or a permanent deal. Um, these rumours have been shut down by the AC Milan chief exec, but they were that, uh, AC Milan wanted Fellaini on either a permanent deal or a loan. Although these aren't true, what do you think about Fellaini going? Um, I think it would be a good career move for him. I can't see him ever breaking into sort of a permanent first 11 place at Old Trafford. I think his style of play is not conducive to being a first 11, sort of a, one of the first names on the team sheet at, at Manchester United. He is always going to be, I think, an impact player who you bring on off the bench if you're looking for a goal in the last 15, 20 minutes. But I just think he's becoming surplus to requirements really at, at Old Trafford, you know, especially with sort of the heavily criticized style of Van Hal. Fellaini really does, is sort of, the the antonym to that style really he really just does not fit that mold of player that Van Hal seems to like at all um so I th- I think all round it would be a good deal if anything was to happen although like you said it has been shut down by AC Milan there there's players like Tom Cleverley and those who were shipped out by Van Hal when he first arrived and everyone was delighted that Van Hal was getting rid of this Deadwood but Fellaini is one of those players um he's not a Manchester United player, and as much as I like the 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 determination he's shown and the bravery he's shown, because in preseason he scored and was getting jeered by fans at Old Trafford, uh, I think against Valencia uh, uh, before Van Hal first season, and that that was disgusting. But he's got through that, become quite an important player for us at times. But I I and I admire that. He's not a United player and he's not the way we should be playing. And as much as it might be effective, I think we can't get stuck in a position where we're having to rely on Fellaini because if, although this football might not be the best, if we're not following through with it, then there's literally no point of it because the entire point of this football is to set us up for, or, or this tenure of Van Gaal is to set us up for the next five or ten years because you're getting players like Martial, Memphis in, Shaw, a very young team with experienced people like Schweinsteiger, Matarouni. 
but I think if we're if we're just letting go all of this possession football, uh, the stability this brings in defence and the foundations for something brilliant, and we're at the end of the game, we're just bringing on Fellaini, or even at the start of the game against big teams, we're, we're starting Fellaini. We, we can't do that because yeah. it, it just wastes all the good work that's being done. So I think, although he shouldn't go now because Milan have sort of shut that down, um, I think in the summer we have to, again, get rid of Deadwood. Because people complain about Antonio Valencia, but in reality, Marian Fellaini is, is very similar in the, yeah. the ability and the way he came to United. A player who has left United is, uh, well, two have gone recently. Ashley Fletcher has gone to Barnsley on loan and scored a goal on his debut, which is brilliant against Fleetwood. He was very excited. His first loan move, so his first taste of real football which will be great for him. And another player going, which has disappointed me slightly, um, Ben Pearson has joined Preston North End permanently for around 100,000. And this brings up a key point for me. It's 100,000 for a, a young English midfielder from Manchester United. I mean, that kind of, that kind of status cannot be worth 100,000, can it? I, I, I don't think it can. I mean, I'm not being funny. We we pride ourselves on sort of being a team that loves bringing people up through the academy and loves to to sort of produce some of the finest young talent around. And you know, this is not me saying that Ben Pearson was ever going to become you know the next Paul Scholes, but at the same time, you have to think is really a hundred thousand pounds for a Manchester United academy graduate. A, you know, twenty-one-year-old still with a long career ahead of him. I don't. I don't think it's it's enough, really. I think you know we've all you know, we've praised Van Gaal a lot for for the young players sort of aspects of his time at United, and that has it has been good for some players, but in others, I think he has he, he's almost failed them, uh, and I think Ben Pearson has fallen foul of that, unfortunately. It is strange because while I, I tweeted this the other day when the. Uh, the, the reports going around about this move came out and I got slated because I, I was bringing up the point that he's English, he's young, therefore his price should be 70 million. Um, um, and I, I got slated for that, but it's a, that, that point is true. He is English. There's now rules. You have to have English players in the squad. It's better to have young players with potential. Therefore the price shouldn't be a hundred thousand anyway, just on that. B, he's a Manchester United player, arguably alongside La Masia at Barcelona, the best academy in history. And C, his talent, although he's, I didn't think he was going to break into the United team, his talent was higher than 100,000. And I just think it represents the inability to sell by Ed Woodward, who has become the cause of all my anger while <laughs> the team has been failing. And this happened with Dean Maria as well. I mean, we signed him for 59.7 million. I mean, sold him for 15 million less when in reality his talent was the same and he just got, he probably got better because he played in the Premier League where it's much tougher. And this has happened quite a lot. I mean, yeah. Lewis Graben has joined Bournemouth today for 8 million pounds and we sold Van Persie and Nanny yeah. for less than 8 million pounds. And I can't see how that happens. It just baffles me. Yeah, I can't. We have lost out a lot, I think, in terms of selling players. You know, the way 
in which it, it's almost as if, oh, well, we don't need them in the squad anymore. We can just let them go for pennies, you know, especially in the case of Van Persie and Nani, like you said. Okay, they might, they may not be on the young side anymore, but at the end of the day, they, they're still good players, quality players who have won countless trophies. You know, Nani's been a Champions League winner. Um, Van Persie almost single-handedly took us to the Premier League title a few years ago. And, and we're letting them go for, you know, three, four million pounds. It's just ridiculous. And I think, like I said, Ed, Ed Woodward has to take some responsibility for that. He seems to be quite weak in negotiations with teams. It's almost as if it's once you're not needed, they don't really care. And whatever the club offers, that's it. We'll just accept the offer. Yes, yeah, I think it's partly down to the fact that we are now, I think, the richest club in the world despite all of our failings. Yeah. And I think Woodward on a business side of things, instead of looking at the point that how how can you possibly be happy with this amount of money for Van Persie, Nanny, Pearson, etc., etc. He looks at it as, we've got money, who cares what they go for? But if, if we keep doing that, when we try to sell a, a good player who doesn't fit in with our style, um, like Dean Rea, clubs are going to come in and say, well, you value Robbie Van Persie at, about four million, then surely this player is about twenty-five million instead of seventy, and I think it's just setting us up for a bad, a, a bad way, and it and it just it just goes against all the sort of morals of football that you have to sell players yeah. for what they are worth. A striker who has come back is Will Keane, playing in the under twenty-ones. He was in the squad for Sheffield United, and a bit more youth news. United under 21 has beat Tottenham Hotspur 3-1 with Pereira scoring twice and James Weir once. In the Mercedes-Benz Junior Cup, United did appallingly, having won it in 2015. Paul McGuinness's side returned with high aspirations. Angel Gomez was the youngest player for any side in the tournament by 18 months, only a few days younger than me. Eventually, we finished 7th, which is quite poor. Uh... 6-2 loss to Rapid Vienna was the worst one. Uh, Callum Gribbin and Angel Gomez was the two shining players. Gribbin scoring five and Gomez two with the German commentators on my stream going absolutely mental at his age. <laughs> Moving on to the Liverpool game, uh, my favourite time of the year, Anfield away. And especially so in the last few years where we have won the last three matches against Liverpool. And Mark Trattenberg will referee this one. This season, he's refereed the 3-2 victory against Southampton and nil-all draws with City and West Ham. What do you think about this Liverpool game? Obviously, they've got a huge amount of injuries, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, our injury list is getting shorter. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger might be available by then. Can you see us winning at Anfield despite poor form? I think so, yeah. Um, I think one thing that Van Hal has, like sort of the type of games he has seen to thrive in, has been the big game. You know, like you said, look at our record against Liverpool on the last three against them, including the 3-1 win at Old Trafford earlier this season. Uh, he's improved our derby form a lot as well. Um, you know, the 4-2 win at Old Trafford over City last season. Um, so I, I can, I can see us hopefully, hopefully getting a win at Anfield. As you said, Liverpool do have a lot of injuries. I saw a few reports today, obviously on Twitter. So probably nothing official. Um, that Dejan Lovren may be back. For the game, um, and I think Henderson is due to come back into the squad to face Arsenal. You know, they may have a few players back, but yeah, I, I would like to think that that we can hopefully take a win away from Anfield. They don't look amazing going forward, although the problem is with Liverpool at the moment. You just never know what Liverpool is going to turn up. Uh, is it going to be the team that demolished 
Manchester City at the Etihad, or is it going to be the team that got absolutely demolished by Watford? Yeah, it's it's a tricky game where both teams are in bad form. One key thing I think must happen is uh, Morgan Schneiderlin starting. Uh, I think we'll lose otherwise. Obviously, Anthony Martial has been utterly incredible, and I'm in love with that man. I think Morgan Schneiderlin was also a brilliant buy in the summer. I think he's probably the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League, and he's got to start. Who do you start alongside him if you would start him? Uh, or if you disagree, who do you start in midfield? I think... Definitely Schneiderlin. As you say, I think he was a great buy. He's been something of an unsung hero, I think, this year. Well, Martial and Smalling have been getting all the plaudits. I think he has done very well when he has played. It's a tough one because it's all... I mean, I, I assume, hopefully, Schweinsteiger may be back for the Liverpool game. Nothing has been sort of confirmed or ruled out by Van Hull yet. So I don't think that... I, I think those two, when they play together, are quite a good partnership. And despite what I said earlier about Herrera, I think, you know, away at Anfield, having that sort of second player who will sit a little bit more maybe maybe needy because Liverpool will try and hit us on the break so I think maybe them too and I also think what what will be good about them is they're very calm on the ball and against Liverpool's high press that may be needed someone like Herrera who although his sort of more incisive risky passing is very effective against Liverpool's high press it, it may not cut it because we can't afford to be giving the ball away sort of in deepish areas because they will hit us very, very quickly on the counter-attack, and I do not want to be giving them so many opportunities to do that. So I think, for me, if he's back, Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger in midfield for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, Obviously, we have criticised Herrera for his performance against Sheffield United, but we all know he's a fantastic player and one that gives an added incisiveness to uh, yeah. play. Um, I'd start Schweinsteiger as well. Um, It struck me quite uh, clearly and quite depressingly that Schweinsteiger and Rooney are perhaps our only leaders in this. I mean, going to Anfield away is where you need your your main win, shouting around the pitch, running all over the place, inspiring with performance and with their words. I mean, it's become a cliche now, but the Roy Keane type figure, supposedly, and that's disappointing. Obviously, Chris Morn is doing well at the back, but it, it, it is something that struck me. So I'd start Schweinsteiger for that reason. Uh, obviously, Rooney's never done that well at Anfield. No one really knows what it is. While, while in the Manchester derby, he's done fantastically. Uh, top scorer in that in history uh, against Liverpool. Yeah. It's been less good. Yeah. That wraps it up for today. Um, thank you all for listening. And especially for your support in the first episode, our introduction, you can find us on Audio Boom and hopefully soon on iTunes. We are new, so please continue to follow, subscribe, share. I, I mean it. Uh, tell your dog if you have to. Um, thanks to everyone who has listened to our introduction episode and this one. And we'll finish on a question from Connor O'Shea at O'Shea Connor 10. Um, how important is silverware to United this season? And would the FA Cup or Europa League, would a victory justify Van Hal's continuation at the club? I'm going to answer that in two parts. So is silverware important for United this season? Yes. Uh, undoubtedly, it's been too long since we've not won a trophy. I know it's only been, what, two or three years, but for our club, that's just too long. Whether it comes in the FA Cup or the Europa League, I'm not really fussed. Will it be enough to justify Van Gaal continuing at the club? 
I'm not convinced. Um, at the end of the day, take, take the Europa League for the, for example, if we win it, great. You know, it's really nice to have a good, good run in the Europa League. Guarantees Champions League qualification. But should we have been there in the first place? Absolutely not. Not with the Champions League group that we've got. You know, we simply weren't good enough. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, Premier League performances are what count the most. And, you know, winning silverware in the FA Cup or the Europa League would be brilliant. But I'm not sure Van Hal's Premier League results or performances are good enough to justify him continuing at the club. And certainly not if there is a better option out there. However, obviously we have half a season left for him to be judged. Harry, what, what do you think about that? Obviously, Silver is vital now, uh, especially with this group of players. Um, you've got Mata, who's won stuff at Chelsea, Rooney, Carrick, De Gea, Jones, Smalling have won stuff at United, but only Rooney and Carrick have been part of the, the truly great sides. And I think it's vital for this team at the moment with newcomers like Schneiderlin, Martial, Memphis, Damian, Shaw, who haven't won stuff or haven't won a huge amount in the past. I think it's really important that they get that first piece of silverware at United because all all of the class of 92, all of the former United players, all of the youth players like Ferdinand who came to United, he says when once you win that first piece of silverware, it drives you on for the rest of your career and you, you just want to get that feeling back. And I think that's vital. So even if it was a League Cup, which obviously we can't win now, I think it'd be fantastic to win it. I think we would... We should have gone all out in that. Europa League, I think we should go for just any silverware would be fantastic. That leaves us at an end. Uh, as I said, thank you so much for listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Tell your dog, tell your neighbour, tell your friends, tell your family, tweet it, Facebook it. We're on Audio Boom, hopefully iTunes soon. The plays on the first episode were surprisingly high. Thank you everyone for your support. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United. Anthony Martial! Forget the second Thierry Henry. This is the first Anthony Martial. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.